Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, season seven. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, episode six. Danger and intrigue on Kessel and Obadiah. Not Obladee, Oblada, life goes on, no, Obadiah. Ahsoka Tano throws her lot in with the Martez sisters, hoping to keep them out of trouble. But what if she's the trouble? After leaving Coruscant with these questionable sisters, Anakin Skywalker trusts only Master Kaleen and Padawan Sarah to continue tracking his sister's movements without a trace. And even if it involves a little illicit trade, the Skywalker Academy way. Join our two intrepid Jedi as they weave through the spice mines of Kessel and avoid detection from a vicious organized criminal syndicate and no lesser a target than Lady Tano herself. Will they be in time to save the Martez sisters and Ahsoka from the Pikes? Or themselves? Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, queen of queries, lady of literature, and defender of droids. And I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, lady of loggers, Gryffindor prefect, and rebel scum collaborator. With that quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks we carry. As a friendly reminder, we will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language. So if you haven't watched episode six yet, or the idea of Ahsoka helping sell drugs doesn't delight you, come back when it's April 20th. So without further ado, punch it, Colleen. Yahoo! Now listeners, let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our episode recap. Our opening card this week is Mistakes Are Valuable Lessons Often Learned Too Late. And we open up with Ahsoka helping Trace with her ship. She's faced with her Jedi sweet skills privilege again, though, when Trace says she could never, ever afford to attend an academy. So when Trace talks to Ahsoka into staying, Rafa, though, is not pleased Mm -mm. three is definitely a crowd for them as far as rafa's concerned and she reiterates to her sister quote it's only us against the world and warns ahsoka pretty much to step off her sister turf and not mess with trace it's darn right gonna mess with the bull you'll get the horns ahsoka so While we the viewers know that our girl Ahsoka is the bomb and trustworthy as hell, we have to respect that Rafa is looking out for her sister at least a little bit here. And we'll talk about that relationship and whether or not Rafa's truly in it for the right reasons in Critics' Corner, but let's not belabor the point now. Not yet. Regardless of how that currently unknown issue turns out, it's just too bad that she's a terrible judge of character. What you doing, girl? Trust Ahsoka. Like this is the most trustworthy. It's fine. It's fine for now. So Rafa asks, tra- asks, big quotes around asks Trace <laughs> to use her ship, the Silver Angel, for a job after her alleged original pilot backs out. And so we're sure this mission is totally safe. Everything's fine. Nothing. Nothing could possibly go wrong when mm-hmm. Rafa leads them to Kessel where they're wined and dined deliciously by the king's majordomo. So that's not too bad, but lest we forget Ahsoka's cautioning on running spices, a.k.a. supposed drugs, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. we all know what this dang spice for. Drugs, kids. It's drugs. And where's where the truck is Scruff McGruff the crime dog when you need him? <laughs> He's certainly not on Kessel. Mm-mm. So Rafa wins that argument and they take the shipment off of Kessel, but not before seeing that the droids, no wait, sentient slaves, no wait, droids are also slave slave labor too, that the Aruba family uses to mine this spice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and did Rafa forget to mention they have to take the shipment to Obadiah, Pike Syndicate Homeworld. Pikes, you say? Who is that? Beyond Greyjoy, you say? 
Are we going to his <laughs> island? No, these guys are galactic gangsters, Trace. Just like Yara. Our great Yara slash Asha Greyjoy. A little bit Absolutely. This is not like Pindu at all. Pindu is like a teeny tiny little fly compared to the Pikes. These dudes will own your asses if you sign a contract with them. And they'll own your which ship too. Which they did. Yeah. Oh, did which they did. That? Did she forget? Oh. Mm. Oops. It was supposed so, to be a surprise. No big mm. deal. And so on the way to Obadiah... Rafa and Ahsoka argue about what to do with the spice because there's nothing better than having illicit drugs in your present before you know for sure one way or the other what to do with it. So, of course, the perfect plan is fully operational Mm -hmm. and Trace panics Mm -hmm. thinking that the Pikes will take her ship and therefore brilliantly, Mm. nah girl, dumps Mm. the spice. And so there weren't pirates around, there weren't vessels around, they weren't being boarded. It's just a huge problem because now they owe the pikes. And, like, they got nothing. They've got dust. Words and dust. Mm -hmm. So they really have nothing left, except for maybe Rafa's really sweet fly fur coat. That's about it. So Ahsoka has this, like, supreme Anakin-like plan and almost succeeds, like the usual Anakins in a scrap kind of plan. She Jedi mind tricks the Pike leader into letting them leave with the money, but she can't mind trick everyone at once. Just not how that works. We'll cover that later. So the second in command, this dude Fife, he's a dick, by the way, checks the crates, finds them empty, and pulls a tractor beam on the Silver Angel before they can escape. Whoops. So maybe he's the only one in here who doesn't necessarily fit our theme colleen what is our theme for this episode our our theme for this week is mistakes it's in the title card it's our theme (laughs) so our theme is mistakes and how we work through them or don't work through them in this case each of our characters this episode has to deal with a mistake she makes and the results vary they're supposed to reconcile with the fact that they're to blame for their predicament by episode's end As Trace says, between the three of us, there's plenty of blame to go around. So Ahsoka may be grappling with the biggest mistake that we're not really talking about here of leaving the Order. And it might not even be a mistake when you're looking at her life as a whole, but in this moment, she has to be thinking about it. Absolutely. Second, second, I mean, where's her grub? Where's her fun tools to play with? Like, she's got to be itching for, for some of those luxuries with right? the uh, Academy <laughs> Upside Coruscant living. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's not going to get it anytime soon. So then we also have Rafa. She's going to have to come to grips with the fact that she has put her sister in terrible danger. She's not there yet, but hopefully we're going to get her there. She might be thinking her choices are serving them both in the long run. But getting mixed up with this spice running and the pikes was a huge miscalculation. And then our poor, sweet, summer child Trace failing to go to the galactic dmv to get that license Whoops. dumping the damn oh the spice dumping the that spice. good good spice Whoops. Uh, and trusting her sister big huge mistake yep. so trace's mistakes here are probably what's going to be pushing the rest of the arc forward but mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late you know ah you said the thing you did the thing <laughs> <laughs> and so with that brilliant recap in mind Let's move quickly and check out our seven holocrons, a.k.a. our repositories of knowledge. All right. So getting into our first holocron, setting time, location. Colleen, where are we? When are we? What are we looking at? All right. So since the time is pretty much right after the last episode, We want to focus on location, because we get two great planets to visit this episode. So first, most Star Wars viewers might recognize the planet Kessel, made famous by Han Solo's boast in A New Help of making the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. And to be fair, I have some questions about this, and we'll be talking more about Kessel, the Kessel run, and the spice trade in Master and Apprentice to clear up some confusion. So stay tuned for that. Until then, hit us with some more facts about where we're at, Colleen. All right. So on Kessel, we finally get to see the Southern Hemisphere, not just the Northern, where all those mines are located, super dusty and deserty. So the Martez sisters and Ahsoka land in this really lush, verdant area. 
beautiful architecture, great yeah. food and, bre- and bev. I was super surprised. I would Airbnb mm. there in a heartbeat, Hell minus yeah. the crime and slave labor. Mm. You know, yeah. that that definitely turns me off. Those are the only downsides, though. Of only downsides. I mean, it's fantastic. It's great. So we had actually only seen those spice and coaxium mines in other Star Wars movies and TV. And as Ahsoka says, Kessel is, quote, legendary for its corruption. It's an outer rim planet supposedly ruled by the Yoruba family, but they live in luxury in the south while the pikes basically run everything in the north, all the mines. And those aren't just droids working down in those mines. In this episode, you see mainly humans and Twi'leks working. But as the Republic falls to the Empire, most of the slave labor on Kessel is Wookiees. Oh, is yeah. Super... Dunk, your kitty agrees. It's oh, not yeah. okay. Yeah, Duncan is not happy about the Wookiees <laughs> being a slave. He is pissed, in fact. <laughs> so we see a lot of this happening with the Wookiees in Solo, the movie Solo, when Han and Chewie go and rescue some of the Wookiee slaves from the Quaxia mines. And then we'll also be covering this a little bit later. We get to see a bit of Obadiah. This is also an outer rim planet. It's pretty close to Kessel. This is why the Pikes have such a stronghold on Kessel. And it's home to the infamous Pike Syndicate, one of the big three criminal enterprises in the galaxy, along with the Huts, made famous by Sir Jabba on Tatooine and Black (laughs) Sun. Now, Clone Wars viewers might recognize Obadiah from a season six episode, where the very real Master Sifo Diaz and the Chancellor's aide Silman were sent to the Pikes to settle a dispute. Needless to say, the Pikes are huge dicks, but we'll talk about them in further down in our other holocrons, because yep. they're our featured culture. Until then, why don't we move to our second holocron to break down a little bit further regarding who is here, and to kind of kick us off, maybe we had a little bit of force sense foreshadowing going on, because after mentioning his conspicuous absence in the last pod... Who happens to show his face? That's right, perfect jawline and Jamie Lannister pre-hand loss model stand-in, Anakin Skywalker. Looking sexy. Mm. Colleen, where do we see him and who do we see him with? Okay, so we briefly see him in that Republic Venerator class destroyer with Admiral Wolf Yularen. He senses Ahsoka's presence on the Silver Angel, but he lets the ship pass. Yeah, and and so, like, I unapologetically teared up a bit about this, mm-hmm. but as a minor, we've got a bad feeling about this. Our dear friend, Master Jedi Matt, keeper of the iconographic knowledge, immediately noticed that this singular scene that lasts maybe all of four or five seconds mirrors the one in... Return of the Jedi, where Vader, using the Force, picks up on Luke, passing him in a ship. Mm-hmm. But but what ha- what happens there, Colleen? Vader senses Luke, but he tells Admiral Piet to let the ship pass. So maybe already showing his true colors. Maybe Vader, not so evil yet. Yeah, or or tell me if I'm wrong, Colleen, but when Vader let Luke pass after mm-hmm. sensing him, is there an argument that he was doing good both with Ahsoka and both with Luke there? I think it can be construed as a clue that Vader is leaning back towards the light, although he is trying, of course, to trap Luke eventually later. But in this scene, he lets him go when they could have captured him pretty easily. So you're kind of like, wait a minute. Like, is What's there some... on there? I mean, it's Anakin, really. We can say Vader all we want, <laughs> but it's Anakin. So is his plan, like, really so convoluted that he's thinking all these steps ahead? Right, 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 right. Letting Luke go. I'd say it's and... more like a gut reaction. Letting Luke yeah, go yeah. There. And speaking of gut reactions mm-hmm. and some quick on her feet planning one unequivocal hero in this episode is ahsoka who's mm-hmm. got a lot to do a mm-hmm. lot of narrative emotional weight on her shoulders when it comes to like kind of outside the galaxy world fans are really looking to see 
just Ahsoka, like anything with Ahsoka, but I think that there was a call for a little bit more Mm -hmm. action which we'll talk about in the critics corner Mm -hmm. but regardless what we see is she is still standing up to pressure Mm -hmm. even though she's got kind of this emotional turmoil regarding her own identity going on Mm -hmm. ashley Eckstein's performance continues to just remain superb Mm -hmm. knocking out of the park these subtle experiences that ahsoka is going through definitely i love her (laughs) but regardless she remains true to herself telling rafa i don't have an angle except maybe to keep you both out of trouble so Mm. she doesn't need jedi robes to act in the way we would expect a jedi to react we we love that she mentions both of the sisters here and not just trace Again, she mm-hmm. cares. It's Ahsoka's Gryffindor bravery that can never be called into question. And it's really, really showing in this arc. So with her speeder fixed, she could have just left. Mm-hmm. And some fans might have wanted her <laughs> to have just left. Mm-hmm. But our girl chooses to stay and slay for Trace and Rafa. What's up with Tra- mm. Trace, Colleen? Break it down. Uh, our poor girl. Another, she's just the sweet summer child of Star Wars at this point. She is one of the most wide-eyed, innocent characters we've seen in a long time. Like, even though she grew up on that unlucky 1313 level, she's fought Pindu's thugs. She's got some, like, moxie. And she has, like, a basic idea of her poverty situation. Like, she knows what's going on and where she's living. But in this situation, she is way in over her head. She dumps the spice without thinking about what it could mean doesn't question that it's medicine when they tell her that it is and has no idea what a pilot legally should be doing. Like if you're going to pull a Han, at least know you're pulling a Han. Exactly. Exactly. Know you're doing that. Even when Ahsoka tells her it's dangerous. Like this is the kind of innocence Ahsoka was meant to protect and defend, but it could get them killed. Especially when it comes to someone that we're going to actually put under the heading kind of, potential villain question mark mm-hmm. and Just that's like crosshair we got yeah and that's place. rafa because this older sis definitely seems to know how the world works and she can integrate with high society on kessel and she's chiding her sister for speaking out of turn and she's totally comfortable mm. going toe to toe playing ahsoka's plan with the pikes and so we totally admire on the one hand how versatile Rafa is and how Mm -hmm. she can change her demeanor and assimilate. Like that is very faceless men attractive. Mm -hmm. But if she thinks making a drug deal with the Pikes is going to end well, she's going to have a bad time. And she's, Mm. yeah. And she's definitely more naive than she thinks. And it's, it's wild to me that both of these sisters who seem to know certain things about how the world works and where they are, are just completely missing the ball here. Mm -hmm. And so we want to raise the bad feeling here as opposed to later, just noting that is she really a good big sister to trace on, on the one hand I had thought, well, she was doing her best. That was an episode ago. Yep. Back when we, back when we were also had the nice sweet summer children as well. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really seeing how she's manipulating, definitely Trace, Mm -hmm. trying to keep Ahsoka out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I gotta say, if Palpy is still alive out there somewhere and he's searching for a new granddaughter, she does have some sweet skills and apparent Mm -hmm. thirst for power. Mm -hmm. So... Regardless of whether or not she would go dark side if she had some Jedi powers, she would 100% make a good, bad politician, (laughs) for sure. She'd be on the take, for sure. Yeah. And so, kind of of to that end, speaking of bad guys, Mm. unequivocally, villains are the pikes here. So why don't we jump to our third holocron, our cool culture... So, Colleen, take it away. Who are these dudes? 
All right. So I'm going to start out with a quote from the lovely, like, beautiful headdress. I mean, he looks great. Mark Krim. He says, quote, I don't trust anyone who isn't a pike. So big Rafa energy there. Yeah. Don't trust anyone but our family kind of energy there. So it's like more drawing comparisons between the two as villains. (laughs) And, And to be fair, in light of what we saw in this episode, like Ahsoka gives him like, and almost, oh, no, you didn't look. But it's also like, Ahsoka, you're selling this dude drugs and you're trying to lie to him. Oh, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So these guys, the Pikes, they are the main faction of the Spice Cartel. So these classic lanky little green men looking humanoids control most of the drug trade on Coruscant at the center of the galaxy, where they then deal to other planets. They're basically a mafia branch, like a big drug trading mafia branch. So in order, this is also just like a cute little aside, going back to the techno union, having to wear these kind of protective suits. This is a thing for villains, like having to wear these really weird protective suits. In order to handle the harsh climate, you have to prerequisite. If you're going to be a guy. Yeah, if you're dressed in headgear, Mm -hmm. question mark. (laughs) You're wearing like a snazzy environmental suit. You're probably a bad guy. (laughs) If you're flossy, yeah, exactly. are you bossy? Exactly. And these guys, too, they're rocking the lush robes, looking great. The ones on Kessel have to wear, like, these protective breathing masks and lead-lined clothing. So they're probably not looking quite as flossy on Kessel, but still, like, they're still looking good. They're looking Doing good. what they can. Exactly. To, quote-unquote, spice things up. Ayo. Oh. <laughs> dad joke, dad joke, dad joke. <laughs> I hope they're not all spicing things up because then they're all high off their own drugs and you just can't. Yeah, have and that. you can't do that. I mean, that's <laughs> just bad that. business. Super bad. You can't use all the product up. So these guys, though, are kind of like lazy. They're kind of lazy drug traffickers. They don't deliver the spice themselves. They rely on smugglers and freighters to haul the illicit substance off world. So people like Han Solo and Rafa would use their freighters to be taking spice off world and selling it to other planets. Yeah. And so, Colleen, one of the things I love about you is moments where me as a Padawan gets to sit back and have you regale us with some of the graphic novel, novel knowledge that you Mm. have. So where else do we... Yeah. So where else do we see the Pikes that viewers of just the show wouldn't have the benefit of knowing? Awesome. I love when I get to dive into my books. Yeah. I'm a nerd, guys, in case you couldn't tell. (laughs) Huge. Maybe a little geeky. All right. So in later Clone Wars seasons and in the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comics, which are amazing, the Pikes are aligned with Maul and his brother Savage Opress in the Shadow Collective. I love those names. I do, too. It's so blatantly obvious. It's so great. so good. And this is Maul's new kind of criminal enterprise. He's trying to make his own cartel to go up against the big three. And he eventually absolved, like, absorbs them all into his own thing, which is pretty, pretty cool. Like, well done, Maul. Didn't yeah, know you were we that really appreciate the... <laughs> the go. He's a go-getter. <laughs> really admirable, to be honest. Yes, really. Not to Pelpy, but to us. It's like, yeah, get it, guy. Do it. So then my cat is in the way. So we're going to start again there. <laughs> so during the Clone Wars, Pike leadership is in constant flux, but Mark Krim is in charge in this episode that we're covering. However, his family is kidnapped in the novel Dark Disciple and eventually attacked by the rival syndicate Black Sun when the Black Sun deem the Pikes too weak. Won't you come? Won't you come? Oh, Black Hole Sun! Such a good song! That's probably where they got it from. I'm wondering, so like, shouts to the homage. Yes, shouts to homage with the Black Hole Sun. So we don't really know what happened to Mark Krim and his family, but they most likely perished in that Black Sun attack. So we're not sure who leadership is still. But since we get to Solo, which is set before A New Hope, way long after the Clone Wars, the Pikes still appear to be in control of the Spice and Coaxium running on Kessel. So they recovered during their losses from the Clone Wars. So they're still there. I mean, drugs aren't going anywhere, folks. Yeah. And then... Like I said before, the Pikes Planet's in that Star Wars novel, Dark Disciple, which everyone should read because it's Asajj Ventress <laughs> and it's amazing. And Jedi Quinlan Voss, and they're the ones who are attempting to rescue the Pike leader's family. 
And then I kind of was wondering about continuity because yeah. the Ventress and Voss book, Dark Disciple, might have been meant to come after this arc that we're covering right now, the Ahsoka's walkabout, because the Pike leader is Marg Krim in both cases. So yeah. the book was supposed to be an eight episode arc in the sixth or seventh Clone Wars season, and it was made into a novel instead when the series was canceled by Disney. So, like, continuity-wise, it's kind of cool to figure out, oh. Yeah. These were probably meant to come, like, right after each other. So I have, like, this little theory that Ahsoka and the sisters are going to make a huge fool of Margrim and the Pikes. And that is kind of what destabilizes his control a little bit and why his family gets kidnapped by Black Sun. It's like, hmm, could be looking at a nice little escape from Ahsoka and sisters. Yeah, and so if you want to know more about Ventress' story, it's kind of like, check a book, it's it a the reading <laughs> rainbow. Because that can be your cool item in the real world. But in this world, we're moving to our fourth holocron, where we talk about nothing lesser than drugs, 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 mm. or uh, what's, what's your guys say about them, eh? Mm. So, my wild space hottie Eli Vanto from the Thrawn canon novels, he talks about this in the second Thrawn canon novel book. He says, quote, Spice, and any of its dozens of varieties, was the plague on the galaxy, a horribly addicting drug that its victims would lie, steal, assault, and murder for. Great shit. Sounds great. So, yeah. yeah. Sign me up, yeah. please. Everybody, just get into the spice. It's going to be May fun. I Uber it, or is mm. this an Instacart gig? It's totally Instacart. I'm sure they've got a network for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the cool thing about spice, though, so Admiral Thrawn's guy, and my fave guy, Eli, isn't wrong. It's based on, well, likely based, because, of course, George would never say he got it from never. the source. Mm-mm. It's based on the spice melange from Frank Herbert's Dune book. And the spice in Star Wars operates similarly. It can be made into a number of things, such as medicine. It can be done, but its chief use is as a recreational drug. It can be found on other planets like Ryloth and Naboo. But most people think about Kessel as the foremost exporter. Cool, cool, cool. And do we ever see its effects on characters? Like we we hear it talked about forever and ever but i'm not sure if i've ever seen anyone really on it Mm. i think it might be a little too mature for certain audiences because george did want this to be kid friendly in one of the books that i've been reading the lords of the sith it does come up somebody is using it and their eyes are super glassy they tend to be really lethargic and not completely with it of course when they're on this drug Mm-hmm. And that is one of the only scenes you really get when somebody's high. Like you get a lot more in the novels because they probably don't think that the kids are going to be reading these novels. Yeah, yeah. That that makes um, storytelling sense to me. Exactly. <laughs> it does get mentioned like all the time though. So in Attack of the Clones, Spice Miners, the ridiculous Mace Windu, Spice Miners on one of Naboo's moons were blamed for that assassination attempt on Padme mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie. And then we also have Rise of Skywalker. We found out that Poe Dameron ran Spice. Like, what? Yeah, I feel like that was maybe a little bit of fan service, but but who am I to say? It seemed like a little bit of a mistake, but okay, it's still going on 30 years in. And even Luke Skywalker, he grew up thinking his father was a navigator on a spice freighter. So it's everywhere. Everywhere. Sorry, Dare. Mm. (laughs) AKA Mm. droids against recreational essentials. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the worst things about the spice trade Mm. is that slaves are used Mm -hmm. to mine it. And so life expectancies ain't good Mm-mm. humanoids in the mines are maybe two to three years mm-hmm. tops with wookies passing often within three months three months that is horrifying mm. and so mm-hmm. now that we feel absolutely icky on the <laughs> inside colleen are you the silver angel <laughs> 
as we move to holocron number five to talk about homages and easter eggs colleen tell us a little bit about the silver angel okay now ahsoka and rafa make fun of trace's ship's name uh but this isn't the first time we've ever heard the word angel in star wars it's not the first time we've laughed at it either i mean to be fair (laughs) we all laugh at this young anakin skywalker like the 10 year old version compares Padme to an angel in The Phantom Menace, mistaking her for the really beautiful ethereal beings. But they actually exist. In the first season of Clone Wars, the angels appear in the episode Mystery of a Thousand Moons. They're a sentient Great title, by the way. I know, right? I saw that. I was like, ooh. Ooh. I'm intrigued. Like, I want to watch that. Yeah, what is this mystery? Yeah, what are the mysteries? Ah, so these angels are this sentient race living on the moons of Iego. And they're, they are quite stunning, to be fair. They have this really pale, luminescent skin that's, like, super bright. They have wings. So they do have wings. Kind of not really angely wings, but they have wings. We're not sure where Trace came up with the name, but angels are pretty shiny. And they've got those wings, so Silver Angel kind of makes sense if she's heard the same stories. Yep, yep. And what about our second one, Colleen? What's the next mm. one we... What's so- the next one we- the next little kind of Easter egg thing was King Yoruba's major domo is a Twi'lek, just like Jabba the Hutt's main dude, Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi. And this is really fascinating because so many Twi'leks from Ryloth are enslaved in some way. But yep. these two men seem to be just fine with their situations. So perhaps they join the service of gangsters and collaborators to escape the chance of being enslaved themselves. Yeah, and shouts to the show Carnival Row. If you're looking for another adaptation of that kind of relationship, I found that show to be quite captivating. And while we're over our heads in (laughs) content that is delicious to consume, why don't you talk about that kind of classic Star Wars, oh, here we go again, over our heads trope because we definitely see it again yes i mean you see this in a lot of different stories it doesn't even have to be star wars sci-fi it can be in fantasy it can be in a drama it can even be in a comedy like the story where we're in over our heads oh my gosh we've gotten into this terrible situation it's always about a crew of people disagreeing on what to do either with a situation or if they get like a treasure or a cargo there's always got to be the person who just wants to get the job done and get paid classic always the one who disagrees morally with the job for some reason like even though they signed on to the job they find out what it is and are just like flipping tables because it's suddenly morally repellent to them and then you have the one who's just kind of naively going along with it like bopping along being like this is cool everything's fine they're usually like the getaway driver do you need (laughs) a license for this exactly well if you're the getaway driver i should hope so and That kind of is a dramatic irony that we expect to continue in at least the next episode. Mm -hmm. And so while we wait for that, why don't we talk about holocron number six? (sighs) That Darth Palladius. What? what? All right. So... This one that we mentioned earlier, our friend Matt had pointed out, the writers choosing to mirror that Return of the Jedi scene with Anakin, they're just pushing us even closer to Vader. Like they're dropping all the hints that he's heading towards Vader. His pain is super evident in in his face, but it's really kind of nice to see him let Ahsoka go. That was my interpretation too. Yeah, he let her go, which was really kind of weird for Anakin. He likes to hold on to shit. So he's especially like, family. Yeah, family. Yeah, he's <laughs> hold on to people, which is not great. Not a good yeah. look for our dude. But then he does realize that stopping the ship wouldn't help either of them. Ahsoka needs to be able to go and like make her own choices. And then we know that this isn't the last time he will sense or see her. But his sadness is super moving. Like it was like oh, deepening these little connections between the two characters makes his inevitable turn just even more heartbreaking. And the script writing is so sublime with those heart stabs and one that really caught our attention and very likely yours, dear listener, is when Ahsoka says to Trace, uh, you know, she studied at the absolute best. Yeah, 
Skywork Academy, the absolute <laughs> best. And it's these little half truths that she keeps using to keep her identity secret from the sisters. Mm -hmm. And it just has to be so challenging and grueling. Like last episode, I think we talked about, well, why didn't she just use her power to, you know, contain the destruction droid? And it is abundantly clear in this episode she is not ready to let this secret go. No. For understandable reasons, girl, she can sense maybe one or both of these sisters aren't the best to trust with this power. Mm -hmm. But it is it is noticeable how Trace does take a moment to consider. So, you know, we all kind of have to laugh nervously mm. when Ahsoka says, quote, there couldn't be a bigger mess for me than there already are. Mm, mm, girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Not... to get like 5 million percent worse. Like, and this speaking... is good training for her later when she's going to have to hide like forever, basically. Yeah. And speaking of getting worse, Colleen, yeah. what's up with our dude, Admiral Yalaren? Mm, mm, mm. Admiral Yularen, an interesting character. So this is the guy with that kind of like booming voice. He sounds very authoritative. He's on the bridge with Anakin. He's been in a couple Clone Wars episodes, always with Anakin. They're always kind of attached at the hip, which makes sense then later that they're also in the freaking Empire together. Not only will he remain loyal when the Republic phases into the Empire, he becomes a really integral part of it. He resigns from the Navy and joins the Imperial Security Bureau, which most people would see as ISB. And mm. this group is charged with rooting out sedition within the Empire. So kind of like a little secret police. So yeah. not a great job <laughs> switching from the heroic Clone Wars leader to basically a space Gestapo. It's such a terrible look. For our yeah, not guy. great. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, he becomes deputy director of the Naval Intelligence Agency, also tasked with investigating threats to the Empire. So he's secret police just all the way through. He shows up in Rebels. He's an ally to Thrawn in the canon Thrawn novels. And then finally, very deservingly, I must say, even though he's nice to Thrawn and my dude Eli, like you get kind of a pass there in A New Hope, he dies on the Death Star. You can actually see him in the movie A New Hope. He's He never says a line, I don't think. He's just kind of this like handsome silver fox with the mustache <laughs> in the white uniform just kind of sitting there at the table he's a silver anything. angel is what you're saying he is the silver angel he really is <laughs> like ah but yeah very fitting end for somebody who was so heroic in the beginning only to be basically corrupted by the empire yeah. And speaking of death, one thing we didn't really yeah. see this episode, which was yeah. noticeable, is getting us to our seventh holocron, that defender of droids, mm. join us with the Droid Liberation and Defense Organization, because there weren't many droids in this episode, and mm -hmm. their absence and lack of death mm -hmm. is interesting and noticeable. Moreover, we see the slaves in the mines there's not actually a lot of droids in there. Mm -mm. And Colleen, you hypothesized that it's probably because they're expensive and would break mm. down. Yeah. Is that, that right? I thought like the slave labor is probably cheaper and yeah. it's not like they're taking care of them. I mean, they're dying within two to three years. So, yep. And so, and so in solo, we see the droids working on Kessel, mm -hmm. but they're still humanoid slaves doing the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And L3 releases these droids from their restraining bolts and incites a revolution. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> well done, L3. I love it and so, so much. <laughs> if there are any droids listening out there, mm. sabers up, comrades, sabers up. <laughs> and so with that, um, if you're feeling a little bit nervous about this revolution that we're starting, mm. let's move on to our next segment. I've got a bad feeling about this. Critics Corner. All right. So we're in our little Critics Corner going over things that we're concerned about without the universe and within the universe. We'll start again with this kind of macro element outside of the main story. The main plot of this episode was under fire again 
for being quote unquote unnecessary. I'd like to think this has nothing to do with the fact that this arc is focused on three female characters with almost no men showing up. But the pushback on this arc in particular has been more vocal than that of the Bad Batch. And so we're hoping maybe it's simply, yeah, fans are feeling tired of what they feel to be yet another Bad Batch of slower episodes, Mm -hmm. another filler, and feeling like the storyline is maybe spinning on its wheels instead of punching the plot forward. But let's weigh some evidence, shall we? What's our first piece of evidence, Colleen? We shall. So, everyone, listeners, Ahsoka is (laughs) arguably the main character of Clone Wars after Anakin. So it makes a ton of sense that we're spending so much time with her. I can see why people who have also read her novel might see these episodes as a bit repetitive. In the book, she's assisted by two sisters who are kind of similar. Not totally to Rafa and Trace, but still, it's there. But showing like these little character developments is just as important as explosions and huge set pieces. For and sure. We really need this kind of piece and this slower pace. We expect the pace to really ratchet up before that storm of the Siege of Mandalore. We think that those last four episodes are basically going to be nonstop action. For sure with hardly any breathing room. So it makes a lot more sense to have these slower paced episodes in the beginning. And I, and I think it's kind of what's going to be a reoccurring critique and reoccurring answer where it's kind of like, yes, could this have been packaged in an arc release format to maybe satiate people? Sure. Mm -hmm. But, but it's kind of like darned if you do darned if you don't, We're just here for the ride, Mm -hmm. and we expect on a micro-critique that they're really going to possibly be tortured, aka one or all three of the lead females of this episode, because Rafa tells Ahsoka that when she's interrogated, like, Mm -hmm. she's going to blame everything on Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa. Interrogation? Mm. Girl, y- y- you don't even know what's about to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And our our heart breaks for you a little bit, but we're also feeling a little bit heart hardened against you because if you're going to get your little sister involved in a criminal enterprise, mm. you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Word. speaking of who's not having a bad time, let's mm. move on to our segment who won the episode best best car for giving the best job in the outer and inner rim performance yes so to kick us off on who won the episode who got the best best car in the outer rim the real world colleen all right so we had a lot of trouble picking a winner for this episode so we're gonna Give it up to the original OG, the Snoop Dogg of Space Drugs, George motherfucking Lucas. What? What? I mean, this man, he knows how to craft a delicious breadcrumb for adult viewers taking their kids to watch a good old-fashioned murder movie <laughs> taking place in the stars. Absolutely. Drugs, guys. I mean, it was it was really tough for us to choose a particular person, mm-hmm. and this podcast cannot do justice to the man, the myth, mm-hmm. the legend, mm-hmm. and there are ample resources out there, in, including a few interview documentary kind of things, mm-hmm. that if you're interested in learning more about his rise, his fall, his comeback, how he let go of some of his creative reins and then tied him back in. Mm. We'll just say it exists out there. Go out into the galaxy and dive on into that. Um, Because really the best, best guy here was the adult joke that has just really been a consistent thing that fans always giggle about and rally about ever since we saw swashbuckling Han Solo swagger on Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and even though we don't want to give kind of a a full best car necessarily 
I wanted, we wanted to give a shout out to voice actress Elizabeth Rodriguez, who's doing the voice of Rafa, mm-hmm. because she has such an iconic voice, and mm-hmm. I fell in love with her in Orange is the New Black. Yeah. So we see you, and thank you for being on Star Wars, Elizabeth. I know. I love her voice. Like, you can tell who it is. In Absolutely. It's, it's very iconic. And so for the best, best car for the core, Mm. who wins in this episode? Because part of me had thought, is it going to be Rafa Mm. for convincing her little sister and for convincing Lady Tano to get involved with something that both of them had a bad feeling about? Mm -hmm. And, And yes, there's an argument. But there's a badder baddie who wins again. Who's who's the bad bad that wins this time, Colleen? Yes, our maybe villain Rafa will probably win one of these episodes coming up. But for right now, mm, bad guys win again. And hopefully this won't be a habit for the second episodes in these arcs. But we're giving it up to the spice trade this time. And you yep. gotta give that shout out to Dune one more time. The main villain in that book. Baron Harkonnen says, quote, he who controls the spice controls the universe. And while Emperor Palpatine controls the galaxy in Star Wars, he's totally fine letting the spice trade continue so long as they pay homage to him. It also helps to keep the populace controlled and makes it pretty easy to blackmail people like a drug charge. Super easy. So as seen in Solo, Rebels and Rise of Skywalker, the Pikes and their lucrative business will most likely never fade away. They continue to be a powerful force in the galaxy. It's unlikely they'll ever be toppled. Like maybe a rival syndicate could destroy them, but it's doubtful. They would need their expertise basically to keep shit going. And I will say we had talked about Trace being a little bit wide eyed, Mm -hmm. but we do see Rafa either being genuine here or total schnookered Mm -hmm. because she says when seeing this slave labor that the Republic wouldn't stand for it. They'd shut the place down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. no girl, not no. at all. No. Ahsoka says, yeah, you think they'd would, mm. <laughs> but nobody seems to care that the Pikes are in operation at all, or else we would have expected things like the Jedi order to come in and sweep it up, mm-hmm. which makes us, get into the headspace of these three women Mm -hmm. even more as they uh, almost kind of independently come to the conclusion that something's rotten in Denmark. (laughs) Something is rotten in the state of Kessel, man. Mm. It's just not good. I mean, it's the same as Padme in The Phantom Menace when she's on Tatooine and realizes that Anakin and his mother are slaves. She's like, what? Slaves in the Republic? What? 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 <laughs> and yeah, she or Shmi Skywalker is kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Duh, girl. I hate to tell you, but yeah, we're slaves. Like, there's things in our heads that'll explode if we try to escape. Like, and people so- like this are falling through the cracks and nobody ever hears about it or they doubt that it even exists. So the Pikes are doing their job. Spice Trade is doing their job. They win. This yeah, episode. controlling controlling the dissemination of information. Mm-hmm. And so while Ahsoka doesn't have her master, and she may never be a teacher in the Skywalker Academy, you, dear listeners, have yours as we move into the Master and Apprentice section. All right, folks, so for this Master and Apprentice section, I'm really, really stoked because Call Me Really Attached to Ahsoka, I really was super curious more than ever about how these Jedi mind tricks work. Mm. And so my first question to Colleen was, can a Jedi mind trick more than one sentient being at a time or are they limited to having like true blood HBO show vampire <laughs> powers, AKA are they limited to one person or thing at a time or can they do more? Mm-hmm. I would say that they can only do one at a time because it takes a lot of focus and energy 
just to do one person at a time, let alone trying to do two. Um, maybe if they were like super young children with not a lot of like brain power, they might be able to do it. <laughs> Tell that to Matilda. <laughs> yeah, no, can't do it to Matilda. Maybe to some of her less intelligent classmates. But yeah. this is good because it's a good limiter then, at least on some of the Jedi's power. And really, if Palpatine could do it, he would be doing it. If he could yeah. mind trick more than one person at a time, he would be doing it. Yeah, and so we kind of did a little bit of research after we talked this over and we're like, well, we think no, but let's double, triple check. And it okay. appears from our research that it's kind of nowhere else in Lucas canon. Mm -hmm. You'd have to go into Legends, but but Brendan, who's who's my husband and who loves Star Wars he had remembered one time with Ben Kenobi mm -hmm. with um, two stormtroopers and a noise was made. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of off camera. Was that kind of a, a noise figment in these two st stormtroopers minds? Mm -hmm. Was it a, a force push that caused a clattering? I don't think it's really clear. Mm -hmm. And so kind of the, the ultimate conclusion that we came to is at most two very, very, very weak-minded <laughs> stormtroopers yeah. would be the most. Otherwise, it's probably <laughs> just one. Mm -hmm. And let's be clear, this Jedi mind trick shouldn't be confused with things like force projections, force no. illusionary tricks. There's no. like nice, very subtle differences that happen. Mm -hmm. and, and again, Jedi mind tricks only work on the weak-minded so not necessarily all people and mm -hmm. certainly doesn't necessarily work on all species. Definitely not. Doesn't work on the huts. Doesn't work on the Toydarians. It only money works on them. Remember, everyone. And definitely not Padme. Mm. Which I kind of call the Edward mm. um, Cullen <laughs> draw to Bella's mind being un- probable mm -hmm. yeah that kind of draw going on and so ultimately we don't really have clear concise evidence on this unless it's lost to the time capsule of the missing wookie christmas movie episode <laughs> two rise of the kwanzaa <laughs> which leads us to kind of our next question mm -hmm. how does this Jedi mind trick kind of which is a one-on-one -on -one, short burst quick response differ from Palpy's force manipulation mm -hmm. that creeps really slowly darkly and to me at least mm -hmm. appears very deeply mm -hmm. like it's more in like my an mind, inception kind of especially yeah. with the theories that Palpatine might have been feeding Anakin these visions Right, right. That's why much don't more you... insidious, if you will. Yeah, so Colleen, why don't you maybe drop us like two or three sentences on these manipulation tactics mm -hmm. that is Supreme Chancellor Grifter's kind of <laughs> staple. What yep. What do you mean for, for mm -hmm. fans who may not know? What do you mean feeding mm -hmm. memories or ideas? Well, and Palpatine too and the other Sith lords and apprentices are really good at hiding themselves so they can't be felt within the force so they're really good at anti-force detection which is probably a form of mind trick and then with the dreams and visions anakin is big on dreams and visions and believing them yeah. ezra bridger has the same issue in rebels with maul and it's because they're being fed these dreams or visions about terrible things happening or seeing, like, Ezra sees Maul, and Maul is feeding him this kind of vision through their connection. And that is kind of the same as the Jedi mind trick, but much more evil, if we have yeah. to go there, just because the bad guys are the ones who are doing it. They're trying to incite a reaction through the manipulation of the Force and the manipulation of the brain of the person that they're doing this to. And they're doing it to Jedi, so they have to be fairly powerful in this tactic. And then you also can get that theory of Anakin making Padme fall in love with him just through the, the 
pure, unadulterated force of his love and attachment. I don't like that theory, even though the, because the writing is so terrible. I'm sorry, George, but. (laughs) You're breaking up. (laughs) The dialogue in Attack of the Clones just needs a lot of work. (laughs) But in the Clone Wars, you kind of see them interact and realize why they're a couple and why they actually are a pretty good match despite what happens, but that's really because of Sheev feeding Anakin all of this poison into his mind and into his ear. So yeah, I would say Palpatine is the most adept at this kind of advanced force mind trick situation. Yeah. And he teaches his apprentices how to do it as well. And that's not to be confused with holographic appearance Mm. changes. Mm -hmm. So the Disney novel mentions that all of the projections that we see are kind of Imperial Empire CGI to make Mm. him look less corrupted because mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the unknowns is palpy doing mm-hmm. this is this a was um, it a force glamour propaganda or... yeah is mm-hmm. it a glamour and i we think that it's in the rebels book new dawn, new dawn. if mm-hmm. that's where you're looking for it yeah yes. so why don't you move on to our next question <laughs> which was from a listener yes so our friend sloan She's been doing her first watch of Clone Wars, and she just finished, so she's very excited. She had another great question, because she got to season six, and was like, wait a minute, Sypha Diaz, is that a real person? It's not a party drink. It's not, nope, not a party drink, and it's, yep, Sypha Diaz, yes, he is. There's this kind of, perhaps, a bit apocryphal story that he was supposed to be like an anagram for Sidious. So it was technically supposed to be Palpatine behind the the formation of the clone army. But then somebody messed up and there was a typo. And unfortunately, somebody said some dialogue where it was Sepadias. And they were just like, fuck it, we're keeping it. So the change stayed. And then they had to come up with this character, Master Sepadias, in the Clone Wars. An actual guy who foresees the Republic's fall. And he's the one who starts the order for the clone army with the Kaminoans. So yes, Sloan, he is real. He is very real. And he very really dies really and, quickly. And good question and good con- choice in what you consume, my lady. Yes. Yep, she's got to do- she got to watch Rebels next, so I'm real excited yeah. about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we haven't plugged Rebels in a while. So there it was. Phew. It's true. It's yes. been too long. Mm. We needed it. In the meantime, while we wait for more recruits to join the Rebels cause, mm-hmm. can you give us just a quick overview of who the Yoruba family are? Because mm-hmm. we heard the name mentioned, but just casual fans might not know yeah. who this refers to. And this is kind of like an Easter egg within an Easter egg because we hadn't really seen anything to do with Yoruba ruling family until Solo. It's actually in the Solo book encyclopedia, which I was like, oh, shoot, we really haven't seen this. So this is Kessel's ruling family. We haven't seen them. So we have we don't actually know what they look like, whether they're like Kesselins that look different than other humanoids. But they're secretly big into the drug trade, y'all. They live this <laughs> super lavish life while the pikes are using enslaved life forms and droids to run the mines. Also, their drug trade conti- continue. And I'm sure they're getting kickbacks, like... Absolutely. They have to be getting kickbacks from the Pikes in order to maintain this lavish lifestyle. But, you know, just because you turn a blind eye to what's happening in your kingdom doesn't absolve you. So I'm kind of hoping there's some comeuppance coming someday for the Yorubas, even though they're still ruling Kessel in Solo. So it hasn't happened before the fall of the Empire, but maybe after. Maybe they're convicted of war crimes or just crimes against humanity, which is like great. Leia can get on that immediately, get rid of them. I also wanted to talk just like a smidgen more about the other two crime families. So you have the huts, the giant worm creatures, which you see Jabba the most, of course, from Return Mm -hmm. of the Jedi. These guys are like mafia dons. So kind of like the um, Sicilian mafia, little Tony Soprano energy going there. You have the Black Sun which is another criminal enterprise that kind of dabbles in everything. They don't really have a consolidated platform that they're going on. They move in basically They're still everything. working with a like brand <laughs> marketing team yep. on that. Yep. They do have a really cool sigil. Like it, it looks really cool. 
one of the bounty hunters that is friends with Sabine Wren in Rebels works for Black Sun. And Sabine almost did as well, which is like, yikes, let's Yay. not go let's not go work for the other mafia group. <laughs> so then we have the pikes. So these are the big three, the huts, the black sun, and the pikes. And the pikes are the spice trade. Where and that's pretty much all they do. I mean, they probably work in slavery because they need slaves to do the mines, but they probably get some of their slaves through channels from the huts and black sun. And all of this talk of <laughs> drug trade mm-hmm. leads me to my fifth question. Mm-hmm. Say times were tough and I needed a new gig. Mm. Let's like talk now. about Yeah, like now. <laughs> Let's talk about how we could get involved in the galactic drug trade mm. because mm. I have questions. Yes. Parsecs, distance versus time. Mm-hmm. Ruth, what did Han do? Let's kind of <laughs> break this all down what generally is a kessel run okay so there are two different ways into the maw nebula that's m-a-w nebula in which kessel is in the middle of it so in order to get to the planet that has all the spice you have to get through this nebula which is littered with black holes all kinds of monsters Things like that. It looks very swirly. It's yes. kind of like you—you mm-hmm. you can see when you look at the like the maze. visual of it. It's a maze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you. It, there's no straight shot through. No. And so mm-hmm. when Han talks about getting through it quicker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's clear to people who have seen the map. Yes. This guy is kind of wild, wild west frontiering, <laughs> right? Yes. What's so then? What's the difference between Han's route, mm-hmm. less than 12 parsecs, mm-hmm. and what's normally a Kessel run, 18 seconds. And what the heck a parsec even <laughs> is, because I think some people get confused. Is it a measurement of distance or a measurement of time? Right. So like we said before, unless you're like Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty or Odysseus trying to get through all of his trials to get back home, you're going to have a really hard time getting through the way that Han went. So there's a safe trade route that's going to take you longer time-wise and distance-wise. And then there's that rip-roaring Oregon trail route where you're not really sure if everybody's going to die of space dysentery before you get there. Yeah, or how many axles are break. Yep. We're just not sure. We don't sure. even know. All the cattle are you're dying. You're going to have, again, this episode is about <laughs> mistakes and yes. having bad times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bring it back around to the theme. Yeah. Uh, so then there's Han, our space cowboy. He did not use the typical route or the Oregon Trail route. He just kind of cut his way fucking through the nebula. Yeah. So great. Like, he just, he, he was just kind of improvising. Yeah. With maybe his little touch of the force luck going in his favor there. He does the distance in less than 12 parsecs. And the Kessel Run is usually done in 18 parsecs. And so a parsec is a unit of distance, not a unit of time. So I'm sure there's plenty of people, Obi-Wan included, in A New Hope, where he's like, you're talking a bunch of bullshit. Like, there's no way you did the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. But he actually does. He actually does do it. So it's a unit of distance, not of time. They're usually meant, like kind of doing light speed or hyperspace speeds when they're talking. That's what I had thought. Yeah. In Star Wars. So yes, we were, people were kind of confused. Like, what is he talking about? He's done it in less than 12 parsecs. It doesn't make any sense. And so we can't really say until 12 parsecs from now, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. But what we can say is join us again next week to geek out together with us about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 7. A lot of sevens. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's an episode of pure heavenly bliss, but we're expecting a little bit of torture and danger. Just some light torture. Probably some really cool like acrobatics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so until then, keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars know about us. 
and let them know where they can find us. Please continue to send us questions you want answered during the Master and Apprentice section by emailing us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com, following and reaching us out to us uh, via Twitter at Geek Studies or Instagram, Bohemian Geek Studies. And just keep getting deeper involved in our community with us in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. Savers up and keep those episodes streaming. Hey, boys and girls, you want to get uh, your spice over here? Come over here. Just take a little second. I got nutmeg. We got thyme. We got cinnamon. Well, what else you got over there, Larry? What you got in your trench coat? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what do I got? I got everything. I got the whole damn spice rack. I got racks of shit just lined up in my pockets here just to sell y'all. We got salt. We got we got pepper, pepper. pink pepper, white pepper, red chili peppers. Mm, we got paprika. Mm. You got a few bills for that dill there. That's that's mm. what we're talking about. Bills mm -hmm. for dill. If you want that saffron, it's gonna be at least at least five hundred credits. We want that spice, yo. Get that spice. We can get it. We got it. But Good. don't tell the pikes we got it. <laughs> Star Wars. That was on Star Wars. Specifically Clone Wars. Season 7. Star Wars. That was on Star Wars. Specifically Clone Wars. Episode 6. That was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>